0: good morning everybody how's it going today good morning you guys it always gets so quiet after that go ahead and you know talk amongst yourselves I'll just be getting ready up here um, we're going to talk a little bit this morning as as we've been uh, kind of focusing this month on the Church of Acts we've been looking at the the book of Acts chapter two and what did the church look like back then uh, this is a church I think that really personifies and really brings to light the idea of what I think Christianity needs to look like, um, what it should look like. It should look like a generous church. It should be a reflection of Christ and all that he gave to us, because he gave all to us. Amen? Right? So, we can all agree on that. So, the title for today's message started out to be, uh, Imagine If We All Tithed. And as I studied it and and really sought the Lord on it, I I kind of grew more and more to the to the idea that God really isn't interested in your tithe. He's not interested in your 10%. He's more interested in your heart and where you place your value. Okay, the value, because you remember that that verse, you know, where your, your heart lies, your treasure, where your treasure lies, your heart. It's, it works both ways, really. You can invert those two, uh, those two words, treasure and heart, and it works. It's true. Uh, so... Before we get started, let me tell you kind of how today is going to work. As Ryan mentioned, we're not doing an offering meditation, so to speak, because um, Ryan was in charge of the offering meditation, and I'm doing a whole sermon on that, and I didn't want him to steal all the good stuff. Okay? So, that's, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of selfish, I know, but, you know, that's the way it is. So, the way we're going to do offering today, it's going to be, it's going to shake some people up, probably, but it's going to be very free, very open um, and here's what's going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Um, in the back of the room, there will be on the table in this back corner where the communion elements are sitting, there will be two buckets. One of them I have up here right now. We're going to put two buckets back there. One of them you will put your offering in. You'll put your offering, your prayer requests, your visitor's cards if you've filled them out, everything that you would normally put into the offering bucket, um, except for the communion cups. Don't throw those in there. But keep those, keep those, throw them away later, take care of it yourself. Uh, your mom doesn't work here. Um, in, the, in the other bucket, in this bucket, which will be back there, it'll be on the left-hand side, I guess, as, as we're looking at it. I have, I've really gone out on a limb here, and the church has indulged me here. In the other bucket, I have got money, real money, too. I've, this is a bucket full of $10 bills. And as you are led today, during the sermon, while I'm talking, you're not going to offend me by getting up and walking around and standing up, okay? We're, this is this very Church of Acts, very free, kind of an open, open time, open offering time today. As I'm talking, as the Lord leads you, go ahead and get up out of your seat, walk back there, and either put, put your money or your check or whatever it is you're going to put into the empty bucket, okay? And if you can be blessed... By an extra ten bucks in your wallet today? Take a ten dollar bill out of the other bucket. If you could be blessed by having an extra ten bucks with you today uh, to take your kids out for ice cream, or if you could use ten dollars of gas in your car, or if you think it would be cool to have an extra ten dollar bill in your pocket when you guys go to Starbucks afterwards, and, and it would be neat to pay for the next guy in line behind you, then do that. Be a blessing. As we pour into the church, let the church pour out into the world around us, okay? That's how it works, guys. As we pour out ourselves into the lives of the people around us, we need to be pouring into the church as well. And so it's the law of reciprocity. It's giving and receiving together. It's not one or the other, okay? Ryan, can I, have, can I trouble you to, to just run that back there for me? Everybody watch him, make sure his hand doesn't go in the bucket. I'm just kidding. We trust you, Ryan. We love you. All right. So that's how that works. Now let's take a look real quick at Acts chapter 2, 42. Chapter 2 and verse 42 through 45 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Guys, the first, one of the first things that I notice here is in, in, in verse 43. Awe came upon every soul. The God we serve, you guys, is so big. He's so amazing. He is so powerful, so majestic. He should be inspiring awe in each and every one of us here today. We should be blown away by this God that we serve. It, it, it's, it's, it's unfathomable. No, no deeper love. Wider than than the seas. I mean, he holds the universe in his hand. Does that not strike you as pretty awesome? I mean, you know, and awful, not awful, but, you know, full of awe. That's a big deal. It's a big God we serve. And then we go on and we say they were, they had all things in common. They distributed to all as any had need. Guys, this church, they were taking their money and and they were using it for God in ways that... that Many of us might have never thought of selling their houses and their possessions. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk today. Guys, it's, it's, it's completely radical. If you did that today, people would would think you were nuts. They think you were nuts, you know, especially with the housing market the way it is. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, okay, wait till the market swings so we can really get some mileage out of that. Okay, so. That's the, that's the idea. Those two buckets are there for you to either sow into as God leads you or to take out of as God leads you. You might not have a financial need, but maybe you know somebody who does. Maybe you know someone who could use ten bucks. You know? So take it and bless them and tell them, here, you know what? I was thinking of you today and lo and behold, my church was giving away money. Maybe they'll come with you next Sunday, huh? But here, I thought of you, and I want you to have this. I want you to be blessed. I want you to take out your family. I want you to put some gas in your car. As any have need, let us sow into those lives. I want us to show the world around Prairie View Church, the community that you and I live in, our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, our families, they need to see what unconditional love and generosity look like. And if we don't tell them, how will they know? If we don't show them, how will they see? So that's the idea. Now, the other side of the coin is, as we take out of the one bucket to sow into the world and show generosity, I'm praying today that God will also move us to give generously. To give generously so that we can continue to do stuff like this. So that we can continue to be a blessing to the world and the community around us. To be radical Christians in our giving not because we have to. Because we know that God will continue to provide a means for us to do things like this. And so, guys, as you're led today, not at, like I said, not at any particular time, just whenever you feel the Spirit, maybe, maybe now, okay? Get out of your seat. Stand up. Don't be afraid. You're not going to bother me. You're not going to offend me. I'm not going to stop and go, all right, look, you're doing a good job. Okay? We're not going to embarrass you. Just either go and take or give or both. There's no reason... For us to limit what God can do in us, or for us, or through us. Amen. Okay? So, uh, as I said before, this message was originally, it was going to be titled, Imagine If We All Tithed. And so I looked into the tithe. And let's let's quickly, uh, I've only got time to hit the highlights. There's so much good stuff that I'm having to leave out today. This could easily be a two or three part message. And so I'm going to quickly uh, take us through... and and look at what the tithe was intended to be in the first place. You know, what is the tithe, per se? What exactly is it? The first time we see the tithe, uh, a lot of you know, is in the book of Genesis. Very first book of the Bible, that's pretty early. Abram gives a tithe to Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Okay? Now, we don't have time to really get into a lot of detail with the goings-on and how this all came to be and how to, you know. uh, but, But let me just very quickly here... Um, let me give you kind of a brief synopsis of the whole situation. The tithe that was given to Melchizedek by Abram was taken from the spoils of a battle that Abram had won. Okay, And a sum, part of those spoils, were offered to Abram uh, kind of as a thanks almost. And Abram refused them, and he gave a tenth of those spoils that were offered to him to Melchizedek. Hebrews 7.4 tells us, see how great this man was to whom Abram gave a tenth of the spoils. So he gave a tenth of the spoils of that battle to Melchizedek. He gave the other 90% of the spoils of that battle back to its original owner, which at that time was the king of Sodom. Okay? Now, this is the first time in in the Bible, this is the first time that we see Abram tithing. Coincidentally, it's also the last time we see Abram tithing. We do not see... Uh, Abram tithing ever again for the rest of his life in recorded scripture. We do not see, I don't think, this becoming a pattern for Abram in his life. Okay? Now, I said all that to say this. I come from a church back in Idaho where we were taught that tithing, since it started here with Abram, it started before the law of Moses. Therefore, uh, we were taught that it then superseded the law of Moses and, therefore, it was still a law that was in effect today for us as New Testament Christians. And, guys, i, I got to be honest. I think if that were true, I think if tithing had been a practice that started here, we would have seen Abraham continuing in his life to do that. But we don't. We, it, never in the rest of Scripture do we see that. So I, I just don't think it's a pattern that we see established, not here in the book of Genesis. Okay? So where, where did it become a pattern? Where did it become a law? Where did that happen? We go a little further to the right in your Bible into the Old Testament. We look in the book of Numbers. Numbers eighteen twenty one says, To the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for the service that they do in the tent of meeting. Alright? So here's how this worked. The twelve tribes of Israel, okay, they entered the Promised Land. 11 of those tribes received the the land as an inheritance. Okay, God sent them into the promised land, and 11 of the tribes received the land and the trees and the fields and the herds and the flocks and the goats and the sheep and the camels and whatever else was in there. They received that as their inheritance. Now, the 12th tribe, the tribe of Levi, did not receive land as an inheritance. Instead, they received the tithe. They received a tithe of the land, of the the yield of the land as an inheritance. Okay, so the eleven of the tribes, uh, as they grew their crops and they tended their flocks and their herds and different things like that, one out of every ten of whatever it was that, that the land was yielding to them, one out of ten went to the Levites to support them as they did the work of the ministry in the temple and, and uh, that. So, the tithe. Let me just take a little dirt road here, incidentally. There's a difference between... And I, I, I was debating on whether I was going to cover this or not, but I am. There's a difference between 10% and 1 in 10, okay? If, if I am an Israelite and I have a, uh, a herd of 100 goats and I'm giving 10% of it to the Levites, I can very easily pick out the 10 sickliest, grossest, nasty-looking, sick, thin, skinny goats... And be like, well, there's your 10%, Levites. Okay? Tithe does not mean 10%. Tithe means tenth. Every tenth, one. So as the goats were coming in from the field, as they were going under this, the counting rod, they would go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They'd take that one and take it aside. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They'd take the next one and take it aside. That way... They couldn't just pick and choose the the good ones for themselves and give the the cruddy ones to the Levites as a sacrifice. Okay, it didn't work that way. And so there's a difference, you see, between ten percent and one in ten. We, were to, we we don't get to choose. It happens all by itself, and that kind of keeps everybody honest, so to speak. All right. So um, that's that. That's how the that's how the tithe was originally created. You know, they they gave a tenth. Of the flocks, the herds, the, the yield of the land to the Levites since the Levites were working in the temple. Now, because we're short on time today, I don't have time for a lot of detail here, but what I've found is the tithe, when it's referred to in the, te- in the Old Testament, okay, what I see here is the tithe was, was food. It was always food. I didn't see it ever becoming money, okay? And this was a, this was a, a nation that had food and it had money. It had both. And we start to see a differentiation in Deuteronomy chapter 14. As we look through verse 22 to 27, uh, 14, 22 says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Here's where we start to see a differentiation. If the way is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe, okay, the tithe is something that you can carry, you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you. Incidentally, isn't it great that it says when the Lord God blesses you, not if, you know, just one little word can make a huge difference in your life, right? Okay, when the Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then... You shall turn it. What's it? It is the tithe, right? Then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. It's awesome that God likes to see his kids rejoicing. He likes to see his kids having a good time and and being joyful, and being filled with all of those things that God puts into us. All right? And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance. And it's that way all over the place. It's that way all through the Old Testament. The tithe, I just just don't see it as money. Verses 23, 24, 25, they define the difference between a tithe and money. Guys, the tithe was intended to feed the Levites because they didn't inherit any land. They didn't inherit anything to be able to sustain themselves. And so God called on the rest of the nation of Israel to, to support them. Okay? So that tells us a couple of things. Because there, there were several different tithes, okay? You had, like, the, the, the Levitical tithe, the Lord's tithe. You had what we just read here, which is called the festival tithe. You had, like, a welfare tithe. You had the seventh year. I mean, there were, there were several different tithes that were collected, throughout the, the various times in, in, the, in the Jewish calendar. And um, what it all points to, though, is a way to take care of the Levites who were, who were seeing to uh, the work of the temple, a way to take care of those less fortunate. Um, God mentions specifically the sojourner, the widow, uh, the orphan. And that tells us, guys, something really important here, that God is concerned With the needy. God is concerned with the needs of people who are less fortunate than those who have a means. Amen? You you see where I'm going with this? You see what I'm saying here? Suffice it to say, God is concerned um, with the church, the many of the church body, coming together and meeting one another's needs, however large or however small those needs might be. Okay, we see it again in Proverbs as we're as we're cooking through the Old Testament here. We see it again in Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. I mean, you want to make a good deal with God? Lend to the poor. Give to the poor. Give to the needy. And, and, and give generously. And it says here that the Lord will repay you for your deed. Guys, blessings come in all... All shapes and sizes. Blessing does not equal money all the time. Blessing can be a joy that is put in your heart. Blessing can be a feeling of generosity that comes over you when you give. You get addicted to the idea of giving and to the feeling that you get when you give freely and openly to other people, to the church, to the work of the ministry. Okay? Now, one more thing I want to to touch on quickly uh, in the Old Testament because I think a lot of pastors, preachers, teachers use this, this section of scripture almost as a scare tactic. Almost as a scare tactic. And uh, I, I just don't like to see that. So, uh, and it's Malachi. It's the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 6. And it says, uh, from 6 through 12, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Now, that tells us something right there. You, children of Jacob. Who's that? Israel, right? Children of Jacob, it's pretty specific. It's not the Gentiles, it's the Jews. Children of Jacob are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever heard that from from a pastor, from a teacher Saying you're robbing God. If you're, not, if you're not tithing, if you're not giving all of your money to the church, then you're robbing God. Guys, he, again, children of Jacob, he's speaking to the Jewish nation here. Okay? You've robbed God in your tithes and contributions. Pay attention to, the, to uh, verse uh, 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. You're cursed with a curse. That's scary stuff. When God lays a curse on you, when God puts a whammy on you, that's a bad thing. All right? It's not good. You don't want to be there. 310 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Okay? So recap very quickly. Verse six, children of Jacob, the Jewish nation of Israel. Okay? And verse eleven, what's he what's he rebuking there? The devourer, right? The devourer so that it will not destroy what? The fruits of your soil, the vine in the field. Again, we see it as being food specifically. Need further proof for that? Malachi 1.1. 1, 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. It seems very clear to me. And I know this is different from what you're, you're, you may be used to hearing. It's different from what, I'm, what I was used to hearing, too, as I studied this. And it's this just kind of where I'm at right now, okay? It may change down the road. God may show me something new. God may be showing you something new today. But stick with me. It gets good. All right? Okay. So that that is a very quick, brief, 40,000-foot flyover of the Old Testament. But here we are in 2012, Fishers, Indiana, living in America. And what are we supposed to do with that? We're standing here on the grace of God for our salvation. What do we do with this principle of tithing? How do we apply this to our lives? Because if tithing, guys, was always food and sustenance for the Levites... And the workers in the temple of God. How do we reconcile that? Since, you know, not many of us here are farmers. I don't know if any of you guys are farmers. Any farmers? See? You, we're in trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. You're Evidently, you're robbing God. Okay? We're not farmers. We don't grow our own food. Our soil doesn't have an increase. You know? And if you're like me, what increase there is of your soil, you have to mow it on Saturday. So, you know, I, I don't want my soil increasing. I want it to stay where it is, because i got better things to do with my Saturday. Okay, well, so what do we do with it? Well, lucky for us, that was the last book of the Old Testament. The answers start to come in the very next book, the first book of the New Testament, book of Matthew. And as usual, I have found in my life, the answers are found in the words of Christ. Matthew 5, 17, what does he say? Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfilled the law. He's speaking here saying all of the law was fulfilled in him. And guys, I've got to say that if Jesus said it, I believe it. How many of you guys believe that if Jesus said it, it's probably true? Yeah, see, we're all together here. He all, thought all "We're all in a Honda. We're all in one Accord." Thank you. That's right. I'm here all week. All right. It's, a, it's as simple as that. He just and he goes on to say it again. He goes on to say in Matthew, and it's echoed in the harmonies of the Gospels in Luke, Luke 11:42. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and what's rue? Does anybody know what? I thought it was like a base for a soup. This, well, yeah, I know if it's bad. but have you ever had rue? What does rue taste like? Anyway, dirt, okay, back to the, okay. You tithe mint and rue in every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Now, pay attention, he's not telling them not to tithe. Jesus is not saying, don't tithe. It's, it's quite the opposite. He's saying, you should be tithing. Yeah, absolutely you should be tithing, but why is he saying that? Who's he speaking to? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, you see? That's who he's talking to. He's speaking to the Jewish nation, Israel. They were still under that Mosaic law, okay? But what else did he say? Yes, you should be tithing, but they should have been paying more attention to the weightier matters. Okay? And those weightier matters, namely, are justice, mercy, faithfulness, the love of God. Those are the things that Jesus said you should be more concerned with this than your mint and your dill and your rue and you're counting out your spices. Okay? Be more concerned with the weightier matters of showing, showing love, showing Christ, showing God to this world, the personality, the nature of God. You guys ever heard of a guy named John MacArthur? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, John MacArthur um, put together the MacArthur Study Bible. Some of you might even own a MacArthur Study Bible. Uh, he's the president of Masters College and Masters Seminary in uh, California. He's got a, uh, a a radio show called Grace to You. Uh, I think is it, is it on Moody Radio? Do they do Grace to You? Okay, so um, okay, so that's John MacArthur. Okay, he's been around, he's, he's a pretty well-known name. And he, ha- he had this to say in a commentary that he wrote on the book of Romans, 9-16 uh, through 16 for the Moody Bible Institute. John MacArthur says, Christians are not under obligation to give a specified amount to the work of their Heavenly Father. In none of their forms do the tithe or other Old Testament levies apply to Christians. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement, and that's, that shakes a lot of people up, because we're not used to hearing that, are we? It, that's, that's scary stuff. That goes against everything in us. Well, and, I, and, I'm, and as I read that, I was like, Romans? You know, well, as I, as I read through it, to see what in the world John MacArthur was talking about, I come to Romans chapter 9, verse 30. And chapter 9, verse 30 of Romans reads, What shall we say, then, that Gentiles... Who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But as if it were... I'm sorry. A righteousness is by faith. Uh, Verse 31. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Okay? The nation of Israel was pursuing the law. They were trying to earn God's favor by applying the law to their lives. By sticking with the law. By upholding the law. Um, let, me, let me just sit here. I, I brought the law with me. Because I knew it was we were going to be talking about uh, tithing and, and giving today. So, you know, I, brought, I got my big Bible. <laughs> all right? This was my grandfather's Bible. This is the law. (laughs) Boom! What was that? Me dropping the law on you. All right? Uh, If you want to check that out, it's kind of cool. It's an old Masonic Bible. Not that I'm advocating, but that's what it is. And it's this huge thing, and it's got all of the Masonic ritual and weird stuff in it. It's crazy. But it's the biggest book I own, so it served the purpose today. All right? That represents the law. And if anybody wants to come up here and try to stick your arm out straight, see how long you can hold that up. See how long you can uphold the law, if that represents the law. See, that's what the nation of Israel was doing, trying to earn favor with God. If you could do that, guys, salvation wouldn't be a gift. It would be wages. Amen? Get that? So, meanwhile, those filthy, nasty, disgusting, dirty Gentiles, that's us, by the way. They had attained righteousness, how? Not by following the law, by following Christ, the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Guys, that is fantastic news. That's great news. Like I said, if we attain uh, righteousness not by keeping the law, but by keeping the faith, and then we let that faith be reflected out into this world. We take God out of, out of this room and out of these walls and out of this church and into the world around us. Letting Him be reflected in our daily life, not just on Sunday morning. That's huge. That's how you change the world. That's how, that's how the, the apostles, that's how 12 men turned the world upside down to begin with. That's how it started. And guys, how we spend our money is a reflection on, on the, what it is that we place value upon in our lives. You see? It's a reflection of our faith. We give freely, you guys. We're not under any law. We're not under a compulsion to give. Not We give not because we have to. It's an act of worship. We give in response to the things that God has given to us. And how do we respond to that? What did he give? Anybody? What did God give to us? Everything. His son. He gave everything to us. Okay? Next question. Obvious question. What did he hold back from us? Hello? Nothing. Nothing. God held nothing back from us, you guys. Absolutely nothing. God did not give you 10% of Jesus. He did not give 10% of his son... To ransom us from hell and from death. That would not have been enough. It wouldn't have been enough, guys. It took everything. He gave everything. He gave all of himself because that's what it took. That's what you cost. Everything. That's what was required by the law. You remember that curse that I said, pay attention back in Malachi, uh, verse 9. What is it? You're with a curse. Well... Dig this, Galatians three thirteen. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree." Okay, so if God put a whammy on you, Jesus became the whammy. Okay, Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. You guys know that song. Let me tell you something. You and I owe so much more than we can pay. So much more. I dare you to think that you have paid enough. That you have paid enough tithings or offerings or giftings to satisfy the debt that you owe to God. And if, if you want to take me up on that dare, if you want to stand up and be like, no, I think I have, let me take a few steps back from it First. I think think it might not go well. Remember Cora? I'm going to be on the other side. Okay? God gave me the task this morning of talking to you about tithing, about money, for a reason. And I I had no idea what it was. I was like, Lord, you have seen my checking account. Why have you got me talking to these people about money? I am a... You guys... You could probably tell me a lot more about finances and money than I could tell you. All right? But I'll tell you why God put us here. See, Nancy and Ryan and I, as employees of the church, we all get uh, reviewed every year. It's my favorite time of the year. You can ask Ryan and Nancy. I love it. I love it. Look, I can't even say that without laughing. Okay. Now, we all know Nancy totally rocks her review every year. Everybody, you know, there's no, that's, that's, it's a no-brainer. The only thing she gets criticized is that she's making us look bad. I mean, she's just, could, you, could you please, could you stop? I just Would you screw something up? Just once, just help me out, okay? And, and Ryan gets a hard time, too. Uh, he, you know, he and I get dinged up a little bit sometimes. Ryan gets a hard time for what I like to call greeking out. Okay? Ryan likes to Greek out during his sermons. And that's not a bad thing, okay? Ryan likes to share the intricacies of the original languages with us in his sermons. Okay? I, I knew a pastor who said, and he said it's really well said, the Bible's written in black and white, but the Greek puts it in color. It's true. The Greek language and the original languages of the Bible really shed light on what's going on in the Scriptures. You know, but the rest of it, you know, Ryan loves that stuff. And the rest of us are like, huh? You know, and he does a great job of explaining that to us. But that, you know, he gets a, he, people rib him about it. And I'm among the first in line. And guess what? Guess what? I get nailed on. OK, details, details. All right. I, again, that's a big shocker for a lot of you who know me, too. You're probably like, oh, mm-hmm. OK, look. I, I I like to think of it as being led by the Spirit. Okay? It's not that I'm disorganized. I just kind of like to go with the flow. I like to go where God sends me, as he sends me. You know? Some of you guys are thinking to yourself, Jeff, that's the definition of disorganized. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know? Others of you thinking, great, this dude's in charge of our kids. He's nice. Yep. And you know what else, guys? I am. I am. I head up the the youth uh, program here. And guess what? I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them about all of the great things that God has done and that God continues to do in their lives. I'm teaching them about a God who's more concerned with their character than with their comfort. I'm teaching them about a God who's more concerned with their holiness than their happiness. I'm teaching them about a God who is more than just their personal cosmic slot machine. Their genie in a bottle. That's not God. I'm teaching them to worship this God because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of the praise that we give him. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of everything that we want to give him. Okay? To to adopt... Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Come on. Praise him. Because, guys, he's worth it. I'm teaching our kids how to worship, to adopt worship, not just something that happens on Sunday morning between 10 and 10.30, not just something that happens Sunday night at the, at the uprising event, which is at, you know, 37 and Pleasant tonight, 6 o'clock, kids. Not just then. Every second of every day, worship needs to be something that we're aware of. Worship is what I'm here to teach you guys Not about tithing, not about generosity, about worship, because that's what it is. It's a response to what God has already done, okay? Because He loved us first, because He did so much more than bear your sin and my sin. He didn't just bear your sin, guys. Get your head around this. He became your sin. He became your sin. That is so much bigger, okay? Jesus did not suffer some shameful, gruesome, agonizing physical death on a cross with the weight of sin as some sort of external burden on his shoulders. He actually became the sins of the world. Every cell of his body was permeated with sin. Every awful thing that you or I have ever done, ever said, ever thought about became Christ. This perfect, sinless body, which had never known sin, which had never been out of his, out of fellowship with his father, even for a second, became sin. So much so, so far to the extent that God the Father actually had to turn his head, turn away. He could not look at him anymore. And and it's so much so that Matthew 27, 46, in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And guys, when you begin to think of it like that, it becomes so much more than how we tend to think. God God said to me as I, as I prayed, God laid on my heart, Jeff, teach them to worship. Teach them to worship me. It's Worship's not songs that we sing once a week. It's not amazing grace. It's not, oh, praise him. It's not, holy is the Lord. Worship, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Worship is a lifestyle that's, that's lived in response to our realization, our revelation of who God is. This God that, that loved us first. Guys, it's a decision. It's a conscious decision to serve him and to use all that he's blessed us with. To use it all to spread this good news. This Jesus that we talk about once a week. Why just once a week? Why not every day? Why not talk about Him? Don't just, don't, just, don't just keep it to yourself. Take Him outside. He kept nothing from us. Nothing from us. And, and yet we, we keep from Him. We're like, God, I trust you with my eternity, but I'd, I'd like to keep my checkbook. I'd like to hang on to that. How do we respond to a God that did not withhold even His own Son on our behalf? A God who sends His Spirit to us to be our helper, our our paraclete, to comfort us, to encourage us. How do we respond? What what do we do? Give 10%? That's a joke. It's a joke. And we call ourselves worshipers of God, and and we want to worship Him with 10%? Guys, if that's what we're thinking, I think we've missed it. The tithe was a commandment from God to the Jewish nation. Always was. But the commandment for New Testament believers, the commandment to us is even greater. It's even more. It's even more costly. But, guys, the return is so much more. More than our, our little brains can even begin to comprehend. Ryan talked a couple of weeks ago about the greatest commandment. You guys remember what it was? Yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And and what did Ryan tell us? Upon these two things hang all the law and the prophets. That is our mission. That is our job. That is, remember, the Cliff Notes version of the entire Old Testament law. All six hundred and thirteen laws, both positive and negative, all summed up into one verse. But what about tithing? What about our money? Guys, we need to stop thinking about it as, as our money, because it's not. God has put you and I where he wants us, not so we can earn a paycheck. Not so we can eke out a living and and give our 10% and and be A-OK and we're upstanding members of the church because, because of that. He's so much more than that. He gives us, he puts us where he wants us, and we earn that money so that we can worship him with our lifestyle, our paychecks, our money, our stuff. Guys, we need to start thinking about how we can use those things to glorify God. To bring God out into the world, out of this building, out of this room, beyond these doors. How could Prairie View Church use whatever resources we choose to pour into it to, to reach this lost and dying world that, that we live on? Do, do I really have to answer that? I mean, use your imagination. Guys, when people, when, when people of this church, when the ministries of the church are no longer afraid to ask for stuff because they know that their church family is going to back them up and encourage them, Instead of questioning, well, why do you need that? And discourage the ideas. Then ministry, guys, becomes alive. Ministry begins to have a heartbeat. Ministry begins to move forward. People begin to get excited about it. People start to step out in faith, trusting that God and God's family are going to continue to provide. They start to be excited about the things that God is doing in their church and in their life and in their world. And guys, that's contagious. And pretty soon, you've got a whole church filled with these crazy, insane, radical, spirit-filled, walking-in-faith believers that people just can't, can't get enough of. It becomes infectious. You become greedy for that. You become addicted to that feeling. And what might happen, guys, if there was enough money in the bank and enough faith that there would continue to be enough money in the bank, that this church never missed an opportunity to reach out into the community around us. If no matter what it was, Prairie View Church was there, front and center, visible to the community of Fishers, Indiana and Indianapolis, Indiana, with open arms and willing hearts, jumping up and down, shouting for joy with the love of Jesus in their hearts and obvious about it. Not just shouting, but backing it up with generosity, backing it up with our actions, showing this amazing, great love of God that we sing about on Sunday. Guys, it's not that God needs your money. God wants your heart. It's not that God needs your money, but the church exists in this world, okay? And it exists to go out into this world. And guys, sometimes the world has a cover charge, right? And, but what if we didn't have to worry about it? What if the church didn't have to worry about the world's cover charge? We could just go because we knew, oh, we got it. We'll cover it. We'll, we want in. We want into this world. We'll pay whatever it takes to get into this world. We'll give whatever. We'll give till it hurts. Guys, that's what I see the church looking like if everyone gave. Amen. Imagine a generous church. That's what I see when I imagine a generous church. Not, not a tenth, not every tenth, not ten percent, but in accordance and in proportion to what we have been already given. Guys, the greatest gift is love. It's not money. Money is just given to us so that we can show in a real, in a tangible way the things that we value the most, the things of this world or the things of God. So, so what do you worship today? What are you enslaved to? Are you enslaved to God? Are you enslaved to your bank account? And don't, guys, don't misunderstand me. I love you guys. Don't misunderstand me. I am not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to create some sort of mushy, emotional, uh, liver quiver kind of feeling where you feel uh, i better give because everyone else you know i'm not trying to do that it's not i'm not doing that i'm trying to instill in us and 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 make you see a lifestyle of worship one where you make a decision from here on out i am going to put the things of god above the things of this world how many of you guys know that god's the same today as he was when he told his two servants who invested in his kingdom, well done, good and faithful servant. He's the same, okay? We worship God not just with our mouths, guys, but with our hearts. And when we put wheels to our faith like this, when we put wheels to our worship in simple, tangible ways, and we ensure the work of the ministry can go forward. Now, I'm running late. i got to finish up. Josh, do you want to come up and, and kind of get ready to, to do your thing up here this morning? Um, now, am I, am I encouraging everyone in this room to go out and just sell your possessions, sell everything you own, and, uh, and distribute the proceeds among the, the church as any have need? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But if you did that, you wouldn't be the first. You wouldn't be the first one to ever do that. It, it's already written. It's right here. You wouldn't be the first. Okay? We would be very thankful anyone chooses to do that but you wouldn't be the first one to do it but don't you think that if you did something that radical with your money if you did something that out of the ordinary don't you think that god would bless you don't do you don't you think he would take care of you do you think that he wouldn't say to you well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord God will continue to pour into the lives of those who are pouring into others. Okay? Today is not about giving out of obligation. Today is not about 10%. Today is not a fundraiser, you guys. It's about a lifestyle. It's about making a decision from here on out. It's you and me, God. I trust you with this, God. And I trust that you're going to see me through this, God. It's a lifestyle. It's not a fundraiser, okay? Today is about pouring into the lives of the people around us as God has poured into our lives. And it's about seeing his love manifested in real, tangible ways that we can take out and we can show to the world. It's about finding ways to take God out of the walls of Prairie View Church and into the world around us. It's about shining his light into this world that we live in. Guys, you can't afford to make this a one-time thing. It can't be that we give all we can today and then next Sunday we come back and we scrape by with the bare minimum. Okay? We can't just measure out our 10%. You know, we can't get all emotional and and caught up in it today and then next week it goes away. It washes off. We don't want to do that. We don't want to eke out our little spiritual living and starve. We'd be starving when God has promised us so much abundance. Again, if salvation depended on on our offering, it, it wouldn't be a gift anymore. God would owe us something. It would be a wage. Guys, we can be more. We can do more. We can be blessed more abundantly than you can possibly get your head around. And so, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have the, the team behind me here. I, I'm gonna have them uh, go ahead and play a song. And if you've not gone up and, and put your contribution in to one of the buckets this morning, please feel free right now. Just go ahead and do that and, and make your way back there. If you have given your contribution this morning and God is saying, you know what? Do it Go again. Go do it again. Then be obedient. Be obedient. If you have a need, take 10 or $20 out of the other bucket. Bless those around you with it. You died alone to save me. You rose so you could raise me. You did this all to make me a chosen...